Good evening, church. Welcome tonight to Bible study. It's a privilege and honor of God to bring us together again this evening to share one with another the will and the word of God. I bring you greetings tonight from the church leadership and everyone. Um, trusting that everything is going well. This is the church at Oba, where we meet every Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday for Bible study and prayer meetings. And then we meet on Sunday for our Sunday worship. And we meet at the Excellence Hotel and Conference Center, Aguda, Oba, Lagos, Nigeria. And uh, meeting point is conference room four, 9 a.m. every Sunday. But on Tuesday like this, we usually have our online Bible studies. And I believe that everyone who has been participating is um, been blessed and has been blessed. And my prayer is that tonight's meeting will not be an exception in the name of the Lord Jesus. As our custom is, we usually, we advise to come to Bible studies with our virus, our notes, and stay in a quiet place and concentrate for the period that the meeting lasts so that we can glean from the word of God and be nourished of the word of eternal life. One of the things I, I, I desire in my heart is that we'll be able to, to interact. So then ask some questions and um, to see how we are following on the thoughts. But as we go on tonight, I believe we are ready. Um, let us pray. Father, we approach your word tonight again as your people, as a church. Thank you because your word is blessed. We are, we are illuminated in our minds and in our hearts. We teach us, oh God, today in your word. And we all learn your patterns and your will. Lord, as we learn tonight, the word will stay in our hearts. Your word, Lord, will register in our hearts and you equip us to be able to minister to the people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before we start this evening, I'd like to read to us, I believe tonight's meeting will be very, very interesting and um, you learn something again tonight by the grace of God. There's a lot to eat, there's a lot to to feast on and um, please take as much as you can by the spirit of God. Let me start from first Timothy chapter one. I want to read verses three to five. First Timothy chapter one, verses three to five. This is the apostle Paul by the spirit of the Lord as a pattern unto us, writing to Timothy, the pastor and the head of the churches 
at Ephesus. And I wrote and said, verse 3, I read from the NLT, when I left for Macedonia, I urged you, <clears throat> excuse me, to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Now it means there are teachings that can be what? Contrary to truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion, verse 4, of myth and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. Verse 5. The purpose of my instruction or teaching is that all believers will be filled with love. So the purpose of the teaching is that what it will enhance us to be filled with love, love for God and love for the brethren. Because the more we understand what God has done for us in the teaching of the word, the more love we have for him. And tonight I'm trusting and I'm praying that by the revelation of God tonight in his teaching, our love for him will grow more and more in the name of Jesus. Come on, say amen tonight. We feel with love that comes from what? A pure heart. A clear conscience and genuine faith in God. So the purpose of instructions or teaching is to, is to, is to build the love of God and the love for the brethren with a pure heart and a good conscience. And I believe tonight that's what this study of the word of God will do for us tonight. Remember where we're coming from, we're doing our, our, our doctrinal recap or highlight of the book of Romans. And I want everyone in church to be able to, to recite the basic tenets of the faith. I want everyone to be able to communicate effectively the doctrines of Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul, writing to the book, to the Romans, you know, explained a lot about the faith. And the reason we gather together as believers every day is to learn the doctrine of Christ, that we may understand it, internalize it, leave it, and teach it. So the men tonight. So every true believer is a potential teacher of the word. Let me say it again. Every born again believer is a potential teacher of the word. That's why no parent is glad or happy when the child who ought to be working. Or, or, or in, in grade one or in grade, grade 10, as this may be, you know, it's not making, you're making that progress. No, it's not making his milestone. You see that? No, no parent is glad. And that's, that means God has so programmed for us to, to at every stage in our Christian work, 
to take up certain spiritual responsibility, particularly in your ability to minister the word, have only been taught and understanding God's word. And this is the purpose of all these teachings of this one that we understand. So the book of Romans is, is basically a doctrinal book. So like we said from the beginning of this teaching, much thought last year, that the book of Romans from chapter 1 to chapter um, 11 is doctrinal. 11 to 15 is application and 16 is conclusion. So between chapters 1 and 11 is what we are we are exploring now. We are seeing and picking out the doctrine as, as, as a means of, of reminder and, and, um, and then bringing again to our consciousness so that we know the purpose of this is to make us know. So don't be in a hurry to jump to something else without having understood the basics. That's what we read in Hebrews 5. So the time for that we ought to be teachers, you need one again to teach you. I'm praying that in the church, over and everyone is doing tonight, you become so grounded in the word of God that you need no one teach you that which is the basics of God's word. But before no one can teach you, someone must have what taught you and that we are doing tonight. So we said from the beginning that the first doctrine that we, that we looked at is again, all right, the first doctrine, the first teaching is that all men are work as sinners. So we must know this is the teaching of Christ of the church from the, this is the, the, the teaching of the historical church. All men are sinners. And all men need the gospel to be saved. So Paul said this, so that no one excuses himself as being self-righteous. There's nothing like self-righteousness. All men are sinners. This must register in our hearts. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned. In fact, if you read from verse 10 through 18, you will see how Paul, using the, the, the Old Testament to, to further validate and explain the, how all men became sinners. He said, there's none righteous, no, not one. Not even one seeks after God. For all, like sheep, has, all, has gone astray. So we see Paul saying here that everyone is a sinner because the Jews thought they knew God and the Gentiles felt, why are you saying so? So to, to, to bring the thought of God, no one is justified before God for all men are sinners. And therefore, all men need Jesus. So the reason God left his church here is for men to find Jesus. Amen. It's not that all men. Number two, we see the importance of the shed blood. It is the blood of Jesus that is the token for redemption. The blood of Jesus. So understand the power and the blood for, for, for redemption is, is guaranteed when men put faith in the blood. So there's nothing else that men put faith on but the blood of Jesus. We see that in Romans 3, 25. Romans 3, 25. So the blood is important in salvation. Let's not hide it. Let's not understand it. Let's, let's trump it. This is the process of God. Even if man have tried over the years to suppress this truth, let us not side with man. Number two is the, the, the importance of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that guarantees salvation. Amen. Number three, quickly, that we mentioned is that the Lord do good. 
but the law is not strong enough to counter the, the, the incursion and the penalty for sin. But the law was given that sin might be made sin and be revealed. Hallelujah. Number four, we looked at we looked at the righteousness of God as 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 imputed to man by God. So when men get saved, God does what imputes. God credits. Amen. God gives. All right. God God accounts. Amen. His own righteousness to man. That is the mystery. Amen. This shows us the involvement of God. That means salvation it belongs to who? God. That righteousness is God's. It is, it is imputed, it is transferred. Let no other doctrine apart from this be taught. We saw on the fifth point how man is justified. We're justified by grace through faith in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And number six, we looked at the wrath of God. Amen. The wrath of God is strong on everyone who is disobedient. Folks, one day there will be judgment. God will punish sin vehemently and, 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 and thoroughly. There's a wrath of God. There's, there's God's judgment as we speak now upon everyone doing evil. God is not slack about his promise like some men come slackness, but he's long-suffering toward all, not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance because one day there will be judgment. Acts 17 30. It says, For the days of ignorance, God has weak overlooked, but now he commands men everywhere to repent because he has appointed one man to judge the world. And how do we know that man? In that world, he has raised him from the dead. There will be a judgment, there will be a penalty, there will be sentencing at the end of time. Revelation 21 from verse 11, it says, Lo, and, and, and I saw a great white throne, and I saw both rich, great, poor, and all stand before God, and books were opened, and another one said, anyone whose name is not found within the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let us not leave as though there is no judgment. That's the reason we must, we must, we must be calm upon this earth for everyone. Who does evil on this earth will not go scot-free. There's a penalty. But guess what? The way of escape is Christ. And our last class, the seventh point, we looked at the, 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 the definite, certain, assured hope of a future glory for believers. Folks, Paul is writing to us in Romans 8. He says, for whom he foreknew, he also believed to, 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 to conform to the kingdom of his son. Said, those whom he, he, he foreknew, then he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also what? Glorified. There's a glory for the believer, and this glory is tangible. Amen. Praise God. This glory is not ephemeral. There's a real world we are going to. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And last class, we look at these details showing us from scripture by scripture, from precept to precept, how this is real. And, 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 and we learn to comfort ourselves with this reality that is a tangible future. For we all have glorified bodies, though their bodies 
And Jesus is the first fruit before God from the dead. He shows the pattern because when, when he rose up, he could walk through the walls, he could eat, he could, he could eat bread, he could eat fish, he could be taught, he could be handled, he could do things. That's how we're going to be when we have our new bodies. Hallelujah. At that time, there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more disease, no more weakness. You know, before I go on the, on the eighth point tonight, I just want to share a few more scriptures along these lines where we stopped last Sunday, sorry, last Thursday. Let's see me tonight. Turn with me your Bible to um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. Just to add two, three more scriptures as we move on to our next thought. Just to further strengthen the fact that the coming glory is not ephemeral, it's tangible, it's real. Deuteronomy 6, we read verse 23. It says, And he brought us out from banks that he might what? Bring us in to give us the land he swore to our fathers. Listen, he will bring us out of this earth to bring us into where the land. There is the land. Amen. There's the land. That's what Jesus meant in John 41. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and also believe in me. For in my father's house are many mansions, are many spaces, are many rooms. Even also, I would have told you, for I'm going to prepare a place for you, a place for you, a tangible place for you, so that where I am, there you may be and reign with me also. So there's a reigning with Christ, there's a living with Christ, there's a tangible a future for the believers in Christ. That's the reason Paul said, if in this world a long we have hope, then of all men most miserable. Now, how do we know there's a tangible life out of them? Jesus showed us better. Hallelujah. Amen tonight. So let the believers be assured and believers know that no one on this earth that will cheat others, that will inflict pain, that will, that, will, that will do evil and do wrong, that will go scot-free. Every action shall receive a judgment of us in eternity. So no one can escape. No one can cheat Nigeria. No one can cheat America. No one can cheat anyone. No one can deprive anyone of their rights and go scot-free. No. God is the judge of, of the hopeless. God will judge everyone accordingly and will judge them right. So there's no escape. So don't use hope. Don't think someone has to you and it's free. Sometimes you might you, you might you might you might recourse and put your hope in 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 in, in the worst um, 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 legal um, um, people to judge and give you justice. Sometimes you know I, I, I've seen some court cases where people are are, are are kept in prison on justice for crimes they didn't commit because because the war system you know you know bungled justice. But you see, in God's own justice, no one can escape. God will not bungle justice. God will not misjudge. No, his judgment is right. It is accurate. It's precise. It's, 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 it's on point. So therefore, let everyone rest. It's only a matter of time. Everyone will receive what they've done in their bodies, whether it be good or bad. 
And that's why everyone doing evil is struggling to get God out of their hearts. They are struggling to remove God in the picture. But shout it out. No matter how you struggle to get God out, he has put eternity in the hearts of men. God will always be in the heart of men. Either they accept him or not, it will be there. Hallelujah. So let's say, let's say truth to the gospel, truth to the word, truth to grace, and live righteous. He said he brought us out to do what? To bring us into the land he has promised us. Hallelujah. Second Timothy 2 verse 12. He says, if you suffer with me, you work, you also reign. Listen, the suffering is physical. The enduring is physical. Paul says, I was beaten. Physical. He said, I was hungered. He says, he says, he says, I was in stripes. I had shipwrecks. So Paul began to relate his resume, the things he went through on earth, and says, anyone that suffers with me will also reign with me. So there's a reigning physical reign with Christ. Amen. Tonight I will end with this one, and I believe this is clear. You know, one of the days, so I feel Jesus said, well, I feel he said, he said to him, Master, what shall be our profit? Have we left everything to serve you? We have left houses, we have left parents, we have left families, we have left all that, that everyone in this life seeks to enjoy. We have left pleasure, we have left everything. What will be our day? I says, yeah, I say to you, most assuredly, everyone that has left things on this earth, has left pleasure, has left houses, has left whatever you have left to follow me. He says, you have hundredfold in this stage. But not only in this age, but in the age to come. That means in the age to come, there are things that we are going to enjoy as a result of our faithfulness. What does this mean to us, folks? There is a tangible reality. The only difference is that in that reality, there's no marriage. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no marriage. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no segregation. There's nothing. All right, we are all God's children. All right, there's no procreation. There's no, there's no giving birth. You see that? There's no, there's, 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 there's no marriage. Amen. But, but there's, there's tangibility. We will know ourselves. And Paul said in First Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Corinthians five, he says, "With these words, comfort yourselves." So rest. So as we go on, I want to know that Apostle Paul is saying to us, there is a tangible world. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And that's why we should be glad for all those who have slept in Christ. They have slept in Christ awaiting the resurrection so we can live with him forever. There's, there's really nothing in this earth to enjoy. The real enjoyment is with Christ. Hallelujah. The real life is with Christ. For we are pilgrims on this earth. So let's focus on that. Let nothing, Paul said in, 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 in St. Romans, he says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Let us know that nothing can because of the joy that is set before us. Tonight, I will take the eighth point. And I want to follow me closely close tonight. The eighth point I want to take here as we glean the highlights in Romans is the, the cross of Christ 
and its significance. The cross of Christ and its significance. The cross of Christ and its significance. Um, let me start by saying that we read Romans chapter 5 tonight. The cross, there's the, there's, the, there's the teaching of the cross of Christ and the significance of the cross. Romans chapter number 5. Hallelujah. We read verses 6 and 8. 6 and 8 of Romans 5. Thank you, Lord. Please turn with me the Bible tonight to Romans 5, verses 6 and 8. All right. I am there. The Bible says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died. So the Christ died. Hallelujah. For this is the, is, is, is the, is the essence of the faith. Christ died for the ungodly. Now follow me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some will even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ's word died for us. He died for us. How did he die? He died on the tree. He died on the cross. So the significance of the cross is important. Now, let's, let's, let's see this way and see what the cross is. You know, today now what we see people carrying the crucifix. And you know, no, the crucifix means nothing without he that was hung on it. That must be clear and have the understanding in our heart. Now, let's go on this evening. The term cross is synonymous or used interchangeably with the word tree and crucifixion. So the word, the cross, is always sometimes used to mean tree, also mean to, to, to uh, use as the term crucifixion. So those two, three words are used interchangeably in the Bible. Sometimes you find the word cross, sometimes you find the word priest, you find the word um, 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 crucified. They all refer to the same thing. Now, the death of the cross is the most cruel, harrowing, and painful, slow method of dying or killing someone invented by the Phoenicians and the Babylonians. And this form of, of execution was adopted by the Greeks and the Romans. So the Romans didn't invent crucifixion. The Romans picked it up from the Greeks, who lent it from the Babylonians, who picked it up from the Phoenicians. And the Phoenicians existed 600 years before Christ was born. Hallelujah. They began to practice, they invented it Practically, the method of crucifying someone on a tree and this kind of death is 
gruesome, is cruel, is harrowing, is painful, is slow, so that punishment can be really, really needed because of the caliber of persons that is qualified to be crucified. It is said that they have done so, so, so bad thing inside you that their death should be avenged. That 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 the kind of death they will die must 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 pacify those they've they've injured. And so it is those who are acting criminals, murderers, insurrectionists, violent people, rapists. You know people. People, people that, that seek to topple governments, they are the ones that the Phoenicians invented crucifixion for. And when a man is crucified by, by, by design, it takes between four hours to four days. If I some say six days before a man dies, sometimes when a man is crucified, it can take as long as four hours to six days or four days on the cross. They'll be there going through the pain. The you know, one day, some years ago, about maybe 20 years ago, thereabouts, I had to, to, to go to Abuja to, for an assignment. I was working with my boss at the time, and I went to, to distribute books. It was a real story. And then when I got to Abuja, I got there late. And at that time, there was no much money to stay in the hotel. So I had to stay in the police station that night so that I can, because it was late. While I was at the police station that night, waiting for the morning to, to come, they gave me a place to sleep at the counter. And suddenly, we began to hear gunshots. Robbers were robbing that night in the city. And to my amazement, the policemen in the station all ran away. And I was the only one there. Imagine. And once people are robbing, they want for the compensation to anybody who sees that, right? And I was there, so they took cover. But the few of them who were around called for reinforcement. So other stations, they came to help, and then they shot one robbers and brought the robber that was shot to the station and kept him by my side. And he was shouting, he was in pain, and he was asking for water. From about 12 midnight to 6 a.m., he was crying. He will cry, and you know, there's a way you cry, you, 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 you will groan, you will make some deep sigh. Mm. And then he will ask for water. The police said, if, now I, I had them, that if you give him water, it will hasten his death. That when a person is shot and, and he drinks water, he will die faster. So don't give him water. That was where I had it from. Now, I said also said to you that people can go through long time of excruciating pain. But now, this day, the day, why would Jesus go through such long, harrowing, excruciating pain on the cross? Now, that's the question we'll have to answer in the course of this, of this, of this, of this, our study. Now, remember, but the book of Revelation 19, verse 10 says, it says, for the spirit of Christ is the spirit of what? Of prophecy. The Phoenicians invented the fiction 600 years before Christ. But in Numbers 21, 
God foresaw how Christ was going to die. And he patterned and programmed it before Christ came. So the Phoenicians didn't just invent it. They were working to fulfill what God had prophesied about the Christ. Now the story was this. In Numbers 20, the children of Israel were going through Edom when they left Egypt. And the children of Edom did not allow them to pass. And so they went through longer route and they, and they got angry with Moses and said, Moses, allow us to, to fight the Edomites and, and get the way so we can go and shut around. And he says, no. And then at the cause of, of that, they got angry and began to murmur against Moses and Joshua and all the host. And God, and God sent fiery serpents among the people because of their sin. Because they went against God's love, God's benevolence, God sent fiery or serpents with fire amongst the people and began to bite and kill. Why did the serpents come? They came because the people went against the rule of God and God had to punish them by death. Because the words of sin is what is death, but the gift of God, hallelujah. Now, God had to bring the gift as a type of what they would do. Now, the Phoenicians thought they were inventing something to punish criminals, to punish offenders. Bible says they made him as a criminal, yet he had no sin in him. But guess what? When Moses prayed to God, they came to repentance and said, Moses, help us from sin. What do we do? And Moses said, Lord, God said to Moses, prepare a brazen serpent and tie it upon a tree and put it on a pole and lift up that pole. Whosoever looks on that pole will be healed of the snake bite and he will not die henceforth. And Moses did that and everyone that looked actually got free. So there's a pattern in scripture because Jesus our Lord himself alluded to this incident in John's gospel, when he met Nicodemus and spoke to him about redemption. Now, what is important is because when you understand these things, it begins to establish your faith. Because everything Christ did, didn't happen by happenstance. It was foretold by God. It was planned by God. It was, it was, it was, it was spread by God. And Christ came and fulfilled every prophecy that God gave so what the Phoenicians invented actually was, was, was God's providence at work so that that which his son will come and do will be done accurately. Amen tonight. So we see that Christ had to go through this harrowing pain for a reason. For a reason. For a Christian or God's children, the crucifixion is not about the location. It's not about the, 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 that point on which it was crucified. But it's an event that changed the course of the whole human history and human trajectory. It is not, it's not about one thing that happened. You see, the cross marked the change. The crucifixion of Christ turned world history around. Amen tonight. The coming of Christ spelled a new dispensation for the humankind and the human race. 
Christ hanging on the tree, spirit out, you know, you know, a new, a new, a new era, a new time for humankind. And this we'll look at shortly. And Paul was sharing with them, the Jews, because, because they felt, no, that salvation belonged to the Jews alone. Paul says, no, there's a mystery that God has revealed in Christ. That, that, that by Christ dying, the Gentiles also can now be what be grafted in. So something changed in the in the in the in the, in, in the calendar of the world and the and, 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 and God's program. So Jesus died on the cross, introduced a new program on the earth. Let me show you tonight the, the interrelation of these three words. First Corinthians 1:23. 1 Corinthians 1.23, the Bible says, For we preach Christ crucified. Not the word crucified. That word crucified in the Greek is the word stake. Or, or, or die on the moon, all the three. The same word used. Unto Jews, a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks, foolishness. So to the Jews... The crucifixion, because that was what the end of was preached. Amen. That's what they anchored themselves. But to, to the Jews, it's foolishness because, 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 because to them, all right, it's something wrong. To them, their Messiah cannot come and die. He was supposed to come by their own calculation and deliver them at that instant. But it says, the kingdom that I'm bringing now is not to deliver you from Romans, it's to, it's to reconcile the world again. I'm building a new spiritual kingdom, but I'm coming back the second time to establish my physical kingdom. Trust amen tonight. So the first coming of Christ is not establish a physical kingdom, but establish a word, a spiritual kingdom. Now, to, to show you that this what the Jews believe at the time, even the mother of James and John had to approach Jesus and said, Lord, let my two children be at your right and your left in the kingdom. The kingdom she talked about was not the spiritual kingdom, but was the word, the physical one. But it was crucified. Ephesians 2.16 And he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. By the cross, same word. So you see the word crucified used, the word cross being used by the cross, having slain the enemy together. So when you see the word cross or crucified, it refers to the same, the same thing that Christ had to fulfill to change the history of the world. First Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. You see the word? On the tree. Now, in the old covenant, it's called a pole. But you see, the foundations invented the resolution on the cross, on the tree, so that when Christ will come, he will fulfill exactly the, the, the plan of God for redemption of mankind. Amen tonight. John 3, verse 4 and 15, that's what it says. And as Moses, Christ said here, John 3, 14, 15, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be what? Be lifted up, 
that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus, the most told him, as Moses did lift up the serpent in the wilderness, so will the Son of Man be what? Lift it up. But whosoever believeth. So the plan of God was to lift Jesus up for men to believe so that the Jews alone will not be the inheritors of the kingdom. It will be also for the Gentiles. And that's the reason you and I today are qualified to be called the children of God. It's because Jesus hung on that tree that the blood may be shed. John 8, 28. Then said Christ unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am he. Jesus kept telling them that, that, that the time they will know that it's he is when what in what you be lifted up. John 12, 31, 33. Or rather, 31 and 32. The Bible says, Now in the now is a judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. This is to signify what death he will die. So we see that the, the, the kind of death that Christ will die must be where? On the cross. Christ must be raised up. Christ will be crucified. Christ will be lifted from the earth. And at that instant, then he will draw all men to himself. Thank God for patterns. Thank God for prophecy. This is one of the ways by which you know that you are, you, are, you are truly on the right track. For everything that happened to Jesus happened as a product and a function of great prophetic accuracy given over thousands of years apart. Now, what is the significance of the cross as Paul will have us know? You see, the crucifixion, like I said, has been existing for a long time before the Romans picked it up. But they had no choice than to pick it up because Christ will have to be crucified so that you and I can be justified. You and I can be, can be called. You and I can be, can be glorified. You and I can have hope. Jesus didn't just hang on the cross. They didn't just, you know, you know, you know, you know and, and that's why many religions believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross. Many folks, many thoughts, many religions in the world today will argue vehemently, like Islam, like Buddhists, like, like, like New Agers, all these, all these, all these, all these new, 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 new religions, they, they don't believe in their doctrine that Christ died on the cross. What they say is that Christ disappeared. It wasn't him before. Some say it was Judas Iscariot that hung on the cross just because 
They want to nullify the prophetic words of God. But for you and I, we know our anchor is based on this. We are sure of God that as God spoke to Moses, that was exactly how Christ himself fulfilled it. And he spoke that to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, just as Moses God command from the Lord in the Old Testament to raise the serpent, that the sins of men can be forgiven, that death can be destroyed, so also shall the Son of Man be raised up. Hallelujah. And when he was raised up, he destroyed the enmity. Every ordinance, every handwriting that was contrary to us, the Gentiles, the Gentiles, Jesus nullified it. He canceled it. On the basis of his crucifixion, our church sheet was torn. Hallelujah. The, the fury serpent has been biting us for years. We stopped. And the life of Jesus was infused on us or into us. Tonight, if my time permits, I'll take five quick points. I know I can't. Five quick points to show us the significance of the cross of Christ. First one quickly tonight. It is the predetermined method of paying the cruel penalty for the sin of man. It is God's predetermined method of paying for the cruel penalty for the sin of man. You see, on that cross, the full wrath the full vengeance, the full justice of God was meted on Christ for the sake of sin. Actually, he began to take the full punishment. Now, what makes that punishment significant? Moses, he was there for about six hours. Wow. What made it significant is that the person being hung on the cross is not a, is, oh, hallelujah. We can only know why he died. That's why the angels were shocked. That's why as he was dying, the whole earth became dark. And that region was earthquake. Because the one who made the world is being subject to the cruelty of man. He's taking, at that point, he was absorbing the judgment, the penalty, the pain, the, the, the just recompense of God that, that you and I could have taken. He took it at that instant. Listen, as he was being flogged, as he was being humiliated, he was taking. The judgment God was 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 avenging sin on Christ. As I said, it pleased the Father to bruise God Himself. The bruises who could have taken of God, which we can't anyway, He took it. Romans one eighteen. It says, "For the wrath of God is revealed, is revealed." Jesus took the revealed wrath. He took the future wrath. Romans 2.5. He says, for you are piling up wrath upon wrath 
until the day of all of God's final wrath. All those wrath was what God was meeting out on Jesus that you and I for eternity should escape God's punishment, which in any case we are not able to bear them. Praise God that Jesus bought them. Hallelujah. Jesus bought them. It's on this, on this premise that everyone can dare to be justified. So salvation actually came with the price. A price that no one can pay. Don't Paul says, I'm sorry, I said, for the one, verse 18. He says, For you are redeemed, not with things corruptible like what? Like silver or gold. That's why you gotta afford to play with redemption. It costs God his most precious. It costs God as well. Everything you heard that he might end us, that, 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 that he might save us. He has gone all the way to save the sinner and the lost. But anyone who chooses to refuse, anyone who refuses to receive this grace, for just like as they look on the, on, on, on the tree, the poison, the venom of the serpent was the lies. That's how it is for us. As we look upon the cross on the blood of Christ, we receive our eternal redemption. That's the reason you can live with an assurance of salvation because you have put your faith in Christ and you know the pattern that God has said. We are not in this for a fluke. No, we have a living hope. We have a living future. We have a living hope in Christ Jesus. When we close our eyes and that falls, we all put it with him because he has paid the price and now we have peace with God. Haven't been justified by faith. Tonight I'm going to read two scriptures. I'm going to close. And I want you to begin to envision the agony and pain that Jesus went through on before. He needs must go on the cross for you and I. So why are we saying? Because of the cross. How are we assured? He rose again. And he told us now he has it. But every penalty, every pain, every punishment that men should have received for eternity for, as a consequence of sin, Jesus bore them all. Psalm 22 from verse 1. Now read Isaiah 23 from verse 1. We'll close tonight. Our time is up. Psalm 22 from verse 1. This is one of the prophetic psalms that reflects Christ's death. This psalm was written by David explaining his position. But the things he was saying here was, was more than him. It was prophetic about Christ. Now let us see. Let's see how, how Christ suffered. What pain it took. Praise God. Thank God. I will bear those pains again because he bore them for me. And that's why I will worship and thank him and praise him forever because he took my place. He took my punishment. And now I'm free. And now you are free. It's on this basis that we can lift our hands and say, thank God I'm born again. 
Christ cried, verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the dead time. Verse 2, but thou hearest me not, and in the night season I am not silent. But thou art, art, but, but, but thou art holy, O thou, that inhabits the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, and they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despise of the people. And they all, and, and all they that see me love me to scorn. They shoot. They shoot out the leaf, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is there, for there is none to help. Many bulls have come past me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gape at me with their mouths and as, as a ravening. And as a roaring lion, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is, 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 is like works. It melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like, like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaved to my jaws. And they have brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, and now dogs are tentacles. For dogs have compassed me, and the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Oh, David's hands and his feet were not based. This was not about David, it was about Christ. This everything you see him say here were things Christ said on the cross. And the tail of my bones, they took and, and stare up at me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vessel. But be thou, but, but, but be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. This was a prophetic psalm about Jesus. His hands were pierced. He was, he was, he was, he was humiliated. He was, he was stabbed. You know, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was thirsty. He went through harrowing pain on the cross for you and I. Thank God I'm born again. Thank God Christ died for me. Thank God you paid the price. But it took a lot for him. To die. Isaiah 23, from verse 1. Isaiah 23, from verse 1. I'll read that tonight. I'm going to close. Isaiah 23, from verse 1. This is a, is, 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 is a prophetic word about Jesus, the cross. He said, from verse 1, Who had believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or commonness. Wow. This is what Isaiah told. For this man, this person in question, has no form of what? Of comeliness. Hallelujah. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Wow. He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You see that? He was full in there was no reason for him to be sorrowful. 
He was the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Bible says that, that the increase of his government and what? No end. From everlasting, he is God. He has no business suffering. He has no business being sorrowful. He has no business being punished. But yet for us, he chose to be punished. That we might escape the punishment of God. He was despised and we him not. Surely he had borne our griefs. He has borne our griefs. Oh, he borne our griefs by himself that we should give not. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Yea, glory to God tonight. He says, and he carried our sorrows, yet we did him stricken spirit and the glory of God. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was, see, he was wounded. He was bruised. Ah. Hallelujah tonight. The gentleman of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Verse, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone of it to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of harmony of every one of us. That's why God vengefully judged him, because of the sin of we all. Hallelujah. You see, the sin of man has been judged. And that's why the punishment for living Christ will be grief. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her sharers is done. He opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare this generation? For he is, for he was cut off of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Why did he, what was he cut off? Because of the of the people. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord Yahweh to what? To bruise him. To bruise him. He had, he had put him to grief. Listen, folks, let me end here. God put him to grief. So now you where you are and give God praise. Say thank you, Jesus, for bearing my grief, for bearing my pains. I will never know what it costs to take my sin. I will never know. And Lord, I don't understand why. But Lord, in my little understanding, I give thanks for saving me. It pleased God to bruise him for the transgression. Of my sin. Folks, God had preplanned the cross, but that was the means to bruise him. When he was beaten, when he was put, when tons of ground was put on his head, it was all for you and I. Oh, when he couldn't carry the cross, it was for you and I. When they spat on him, for you and I. When he fell under the weight of the cross, it was for you and I. When he cried at thirst, when he said, Mother, oh, imagine the mother looking at me and crying. Oh, my son, says, No, mother, for this cause I came. When he went through all the pain, that's for you and I. The cross. He said, Give me water. They gave me vinegar. They pierced his side until he died. But no one killed him. He gave up his soul. When everything was complete, he said, it is 
finished. Our sins are gone. Our life is here. Our whole Congress are short. Love our God's children by faith in Christ Jesus. Tonight my time is up. Let me say it again. The cross is a significant doctrine that every believer must know. And the reason for knowing this is that you may rejoice and hold confidently to your faith. What the Phoenicians the Phoenicians invented was actually in the plan of God. For that was the means by which the Son be crucified. For Jesus, in speaking with Nicodemus in John 3.15, Said Nicodemus, as Moses raised up the serpent, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The cross was where the price was paid. The cross was a token for the cancellation of our debts. The cross was the emblem that God saw that brought about our reconciliation. And on this basis, we have eternal hope in Christ. On this basis, we escape the wrath of God in hell. For Jesus took the hell out of us by himself. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the cross. Lord Jesus, thank you for the pain. It pleased your father to bruise you. And you did not run away. You didn't refuse. You bought the pain, the literal pain, the physical bruises, the physical harrowing conditions, hanging on the cross for six straight hours between heaven and earth. The father forsaking you because at that moment he was judging you and judging us with you. For as you rose from the grave, we also rose with you unto eternity. Lord, we can't repay. But all we can say tonight, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, grant us deep understanding of the mystery of the cross. And everyone we encounter will speak to them the word of the cross with passion. And by this knowledge, we will be grounded in you more and more. Thank you, O oh God, for praying tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to continue on this thread. But next week, my thoughts by God's grace, please don't miss it. Hope you're blessed tonight by this teaching. Because I have been blessed. I will see you again on Thursday, same time, by God's grace. God bless you. See you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night, folks.